McMaster has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at Mac, as we learn the moments that their path from Mac became unconventional. Dick Clark once said, music is the soundtrack of your life. Today, we meet Sharnat Shocker, whose soundtrack led him to a pivot for what he thought he would be doing after graduation. While Sharnat was doing his BA in law, policy, and government in Ottawa, he became immersed in the music industry. Along with some friends, he started a business where he focused on social marketing, event planning, and PR for musicians. This pivot led him to Mac, where he pursued his master's in communications and new media. Today, he is a communications and stakeholder engagement coordinator for HDR in Toronto, but hasn't lost his love for music or the Raptors. So let's talk a little bit about your undergraduate degree. You did not go to McMaster for your undergrad. You chose to do a very different program than what you're working in now. So why don't you kind of talk to me about, you know, coming out of high school and deciding to choose that program. Um, and were you at Ottawa or Carleton? I can't remember. Um, I was at Carleton, yeah. Carleton. So talk a little bit about your decision process on how you decided to study law policy and government and what you thought you wanted to do when you made that decision to take that program. Yeah, for sure. So um, I thought my plan was to, uh, you know, do a Bachelor of Arts in law policy and government at Carleton in Ottawa and then go on to do law school for three years and then become a lawyer. That was my plan coming out of high school. And I, I can let you know that I am not currently a lawyer. So that plan has changed drastically. <laughs> I um, when, when I went there, I, I actually started taking some communications courses and I really enjoyed the content of what I was learning in those courses. Um, so much so that I, I ended up taking communications courses in as many of my electives as I could, um, I, I declared it a minor. And um, you know, uh, when I was approaching the end of my undergrad, I decided to pursue it um, in, at a master's level. And I that's when I came to McMaster um, in 2017 to do my uh, master's in communications and new media. Um, and then that's kind of the the story and the path that I'm on now. So, what was it about communications that made you think? okay, I want to pivot and do that. Like what, it, it, was there something in particular that happened or was it just, you know, you woke up one day and said, I don't think this is for me. Uh, no, it, it, yeah, there actually was. So I, um, I met a few people during my undergrad um, in Ottawa. So um, we were all kind of joined together through music. Um, so uh, it was my roommate, Zvar, um, and then his best friend, Malcolm, and Malcolm's roommate, Armel. So the four of us, you know, we all came from, Armel was in Ottawa, but the rest all came from Mississauga, which is a suburb right next to Toronto. And we were all kind of privy to the hip hop music industry in our own ways already at that point. Um, but once we started hanging out together, we kind of realized that we all have a sort of, um, I guess you could say a little bit of a, a lust for life in a different way in that, you know, we don't want to just learn in the classroom. And we figured, why don't we learn outside of the classroom um, 
and kind of tie it into what we're interested in, which at the time was music. So Armel was actually, he's actually a musician. He's a singer songwriter. Um, and, and all of us had our own unique interests within, within music. So for me, it was uh, a bit of marketing, social communications for Zorovar. It was creative direction for Malcolm. It was uh, business artist management. So we figured, you know, let's, let's take these interests. Let's try and let's try and put them together and see how far we can, you know, um, get Armel in, in the music industry in, in Ottawa at the time. So, you know, we, we, we banded together. We, we really did make a splash in the Ottawa music scene at that time. And as well as Toronto, I mean, we, we were having shows, you know, in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Mississauga. So it was, uh, it was quite an experience. And this was all while we we're doing our undergrads in various fields. Um, and it was just one of those experiences that, um, uh, you know, everyone talks about using university to to network and sort of uh, live out your dreams, and we really did do that. And uh, we we all learned a lot from that that experience. And um, so we were obviously good at what we were doing, and that's what sparked my interest to further pursue communications rather than going down the field of law. And that's what led to all these other decisions. Right. So um, now. It was your passion for music. So you got, you got, you did that, which is fabulous, but you, if I'm correct, if I understand this, you, you actually started a business. So what was it that made you think I'm going to be an entrepreneur and start my own business? Yeah, yeah, we did. We actually went and got incorporated. We, we, our business was called the movement funny enough, because, you know, we really did. We really were starting a movement at the time um, in Ottawa. Um, And, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, we all kind of came to the same place at the same time. Uh, I guess you could say the the right place at the right time. I I'm a believer in, in that everything happens for a reason. So there was a reason why all of our paths crossed in the way they did. And we, what we were doing was something that we were really good at. So why not pursue it further? Why not get deeper into the sort of uh, philosophy around communications? What is it about communications that, really speaks to me and that is you know how content reaches end users whether that's music or graphic design or uh, and any sort of any sort of communications related theme marketing uh, social media these tools that we have their power is so significant and like the ability that these tools have to shape minds and start no pun intended, start movements is it's fascinating to me. So I really just wanted to learn more about it, learn more about these tools, how we can use them um, in our lives. Um, and that that's kind of what really just drew me in. And that's kind of why I'm still in this industry. So the music industry is, is a tough industry. So what did you learn about yourself um, through that experience? And what did you learn about the music industry that surprised you? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Yeah, so it is tough, um, and I think it's I think it's even tougher here in Toronto, and and Ottawa. Uh, well, you know, Canada in general um, than it is in the states because there's a lot of uh, a lot of competition and not a lot of helpfulness. Um, we were fortunate enough that we met a few people, um, you know, at different uh, you know uh, organizations like uh, different bloggers and different uh, news outlets things like that, that kind of helped us along the way. We had some, you know, investors, things like that, that helped us be able to do what it is that we wanted to do. But um, you're very right in that it's very competitive and a lot of people are not so helpful. And um, 
you just gotta you gotta find a way to make your mark do things that are different than what others are doing at the time which is easier said than done but there's many ways you can do these things um and really just hone in on whatever it is that you're good at um find a team or peers or mentors or what have you um that are willing to help elevate you and they will that process right there of finding like-minded individuals or mentors or peers will it will certainly accelerate your your path and the direction that you're trying to go opposed to trying to do things on your own so a lot of people think oh okay i have this talent um let's say i'm a talented uh let's say i'm a talented singer um just because you're a talented singer does not mean you can manage yourself you can brand yourself you can create your own uh content you can create your own artworks etc it's it's highly difficult to do everything on your own so the best thing you can do is you know find people that can work with that share the same vision or the same goals as you or similar goals um again they don't have to be i use music as the example but this could go for any any sort of industry um but that is what's really going to accelerate your your path forward and once you do that it, it doesn't matter if the competition is uh it doesn't matter if there's competition or not because you know you'll you'll blaze your own path forward and you don't have to worry about the naysayers and those that aren't going to be there to help you yeah so i think and you know it's funny when you talk about that when you said you kind of listed all the things that people have to do to be a successful musician the voice is only one part of it right like if you don't have the ecosystem of around you to do that it's hard to break through as a musician absolutely absolutely and especially in today's day and age um i mean even this was uh 2013 so this was uh gosh almost a decade ago but now even more than then it is overly saturated there's there's a new artist or musician popping up every hour <laughs> maybe it was every day back then now it's probably every hour so yeah definitely want to find ways to differentiate yourself and i would say the best way to do that is having a an ecosystem i think that's a really good way to put it do you miss that part like do you miss that the bit the business uh you know what i this thought has been percolating in my mind quite a bit i'm not going to lie to you and and i really do think i do think i do um it's just the the amount of uh the the amount of fun that just kind of intertwines its way into the business and the work um i haven't been in an, an industry yet that has compared to that sort of experience that it made me feel now this could just be because i was younger and i had less responsibilities on my plate but uh uh it really does bring back fond memories and uh yes i would say i certainly do So let's talk about what you do now. Talk to me about what your current role is and what's a typical day in your job. Yeah, sure. So um I I'm now a communications coordinator for um HDR. It's a it's an architecture design consulting firm uh based out of the states but um you know they're they're all over North America now. Um and a lot of the work that i'm currently doing is uh it's around client relationships and working for different clients and ensuring that uh, uh i guess you could say um presence in the in the public is um it's likable they're they're doing the right things with communities that they are involved in um it it involves a lot of stakeholder uh stakeholder relationship management and uh, community engagement and things of that nature so um a, a typical day could involve preparing uh 
decks and uh, logistics and content for an upcoming uh, town hall meeting or uh, a virtual open house. Uh, I mean, nowadays it's a bit of a hybrid, so it's less in-person, but actually it's, it's starting to become a lot more in-person. But um, anything that involves creating content for uh, different organizations so that uh, they're doing right by the communities that they work in. So do you work remotely or are you working hybridly or how does your day look like on that side? For me personally, I, I'm still fully remote. Um, I have been fully remote since I was onboarded back in, or sorry, since I started at this organization a year ago. Um, I have the option to go into the office. There's a very nice office in downtown Toronto, uh, but I kind of enjoy the remote. <laughs> I kind of enjoy the remote work if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, no, a lot of people do. Um, it, it, I never thought I was a person who like who would wanted to work from home. I never did, but I, I really do like working from home. So for you, what, what makes it? What's the mix that makes it good for you and where you're most creative and whatnot? Like, what it is about working remote? Um, well, I mean, the way our team is structured. Uh, so I'm like I said, it's a, it's an architecture engineering and uh, design firm. So the company as a whole has a, a vast assortment of personnel. There's architects, there's engineers, there's economists, there's scientists, there's, there's a whole slew of people working here, but I am within the, the specialty service. It's a cross sector service called strategic communications. And we sort of hand up, have a hand in all different sorts of uh, uh, business groups and our team, we largely don't need to be in person with each other the same way a, I guess you could say an architect would need to be in, in an office with his peers or her peers and looking at drawings together. Uh, a lot of our work can be done virtually and you know, Teams, WebEx, Slack, all these companies have just made it so easy to collaborate even from home that the best way to be creative, I think, is to be comfortable. And I don't think anyone is more comfortable than they are in their own home. So for me, that's, it's just, it's a no brainer. Yes. Comfortable in your home and the ability to wear soft pants, of which I did not know the description of <laughs> until recently, but yes, the soft pant world has its, uh, has its benefits. It um, sure does. Yeah. So, you know, the past two years is that have, you know, happened since 2020 is nothing that anyone really would have expected. If you had asked me in January 1st, 2020, would you be, would the world shut down and everybody be at home? I'd be like, no, what are you talking about? That only happens in movies. So what have you learned? What have you learned about yourself from the, throughout the pandemic, through the experience? Um, yeah. Wow. The pandemic. Uh, so I, I learned two things. I learned that one life is short and I learned two the true meaning of resiliency. Um, so if I'm being completely transparent with you, I almost lost my, my father during the pandemic to, to COVID. Um, this was back in March of 2020, sorry, April of 2021. So this was before we had any vaccines or anything like that. The vaccines were just starting to get rolled out. We, my family personally was not vaccinated at the time. So my dad, we all got it, but my dad got it worse than the rest of us. You know, he was hospitalized. He was, um, he was in the ICU for about two months. Um, and this was at a time when the hysteria was at an all time high because it was, it was just a month into it and uh, uh, triage, things like that. These are all the sort of talking points that were being thrown around. So it was certainly a time where, you know, hope was very, uh, 
it's scarce. Um, and it's not a knock on our professional, like our medical teams or anything like that, but it was an unprecedented time and we had, they had to prioritize things. And uh, so it, all that to say, it was not looking good. Um, we didn't, there was not really much reassurance that we were getting from our medical team that, you know, my dad would actually be able to make it out of this alive. So we could have just accepted that answer and let that, let that be that, but we didn't as a family. Um, my sister and, and I, we, we, we use the skills that we learned at school um, through McMaster, through, through university, we researched, we found, we found uh, case reports, articles, anything we could find around the world of what other doctors and uh, practitioners are doing to help people that are in this situation or going through similar situations as my father and tried a lot of experimental drugs. Um, and I think we tried probably four or five, none of them worked. And then we came up cross one of them about a doctor, I believe his name was Dr. Devjeet Roy in New York. He tried an experimental set of drugs on a patient that was in a similar situation as my father's. And um, it worked for my father as well. Um, it, it was a, a, a combination of drugs that basically helps restore dopamine levels that depleted as a result of a prolonged period in intubation in the ICU. Um, and, and it worked and my dad started to wake up. He started to move around. Even at that point, um, we were being told that like chances of him ever leaving a hospital were next to none. Um, there's no chance that he'll ever be independent, this, that. Fast forward eight months later, I think, uh, I think it was just under 300 days uh, had passed since his hospitalization to, to when he came home. He, he walked through the front door. Um, with a walker on his own. Um, he, he eats on his own. He does, he, he talks to us. We, we have great conversations. We, we reminisce on the past. He remembers everything. I mean, and all that, all that occurred through a time where we were just constantly being told that it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. So, and, and mind you, and th this was also during the time uh, that I, so this was uh, March of April of 2021. And I started this new career here at HDR in August of 2021. So as that was all happening, that all of that stuff, I was interviewing for jobs and I was, I, I did successfully interview for a job and I landed a, a, a job and I was onboarded remotely and I was starting a new career all while that's going on. So, you know, that seeing his ability to, to just kind of look at death in the face and come back from it, just his sheer will to want to live you know, that is resiliency. You can, you can lose a job and you will be able to bounce back and careers can change and jobs can come and go. But that was like true resiliency to me. And like, that is what really just kind of sparked me to start thinking about life in a different, completely different way. Cause you never know on, in a, in a split second, your entire life can change and you take advantage of every moment you have on this planet, do everything you can to be kind to others be resilient. When life knocks you down, you, you have to get back up. You have no choice. Just, just do it. And that, that is what I learned about myself through, through COVID. And I also thank your dad, like, you know, his resilience and his will to live. So I'm glad that your dad is home and I'm sure he probably still has some challenges from long COVID, but I hope he's doing better. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's go back to when you first graduated with your master's and what What's one piece of advice that you wish you knew when you graduated? 
Um, one piece of advice, I think it would probably be to trust the process. Um, you know, even even now, like I I'm still very young in my career and early in my career, and I still have thoughts sometimes like, did I make the right choice by not doing law and being a lawyer and choosing to go down the path of communications and media instead? And like. Yeah, I mean, yes, the answer is yes, trust the process, because you never know what's going to happen if you turn down an opportunity. Um, I very much preach, you know, take every opportunity you can get because you never know what's going to come with it. Um, and being adaptable, especially in today's market, and the fact that we're kind of, it seems like we're heading towards a recession. Um, you got to be adaptable, and you got to be flexible and able to just navigate the world in any sort of context, like you have to be, you have to trust the process. You have to go from one thing to the other every day. Life is always going to be throwing different things at you. Um, but if you just constantly fixate on, oh, maybe I should have done this, or maybe I should have done that. It's not doing you any good. Um, no one really knows what they're doing, to be frank. Uh, everyone is learning as they're going along this journey called life. So don't think like, oh, I don't have enough experience on my resume to apply for this job. Or if you get a job, don't let imposter syndrome ruin you. You know, that's something that uh, they'll struggle. I'm giving this advice as if I've conquered it, but it's stuff that I'm still kind of learning how to deal with, but it's, it's not worth it. We always undersell ourselves and we have so much to offer. Um, so just trust the process. Everything is going to happen for a reason. Everything will happen. Um, and just enjoy the, enjoy the ride. So one of the things I think that's interesting that you're still doing is you obviously have a love for some research. So you're still working with a professor at McMaster. Um, why, why is that important to fit that into your life? I mean, you've got a busy life, home, work, you know, your own personal hobbies and stuff. Why, why is it important to sort of still do some of that work with uh, Dr. Bannerman? Yeah, Um uh, that I've been doing that since I started my master's back in 2017. So yeah, um, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's very intellectually stimulating and it's hard to find that level of stimulation in a career. i at least in, thus far in my experience, I, I find that, you know, once I'm working, um, you know, I get stuck in this kind of routine where every day kind of ends up feeling more or less the same, but being able to do academic research, um, especially under the tutelage of Dr. Bannerman, it's just, first of all, it's a privilege because she is so knowledgeable in, in the field of communications research and communications policy. Um, so uh, I just, I, I'm like a sponge around her. I can constantly learn and I always learn new things just by being in her, her presence. But um, it's just the ability to, you know, I don't want to lose, I don't ever want to lose the ability to, to critically think and have strategic thought opportunities. And when you're doing in-depth research, um, I feel like that's the best way for me personally to keep my mind stimulated. So it's one of those things that I've tried to just keep going as long as I can. And I, I'll continue to do that. So what do you do in your in that research coordinator role that you're able to use every day in your job? So being able to critically think about topics and topics that are complicated, like communications, uh, communication lobbying, tech lobbying, platform lobbying. Um, that's one of the projects that we're currently working on. Um, so thinking about things like that critically allows me to avoid getting stuck in routines because I, I have 
that sort of uh, foundation to fall on so that I can think of other things in my current career path from a strategic or a critical lens. I don't have to focus on, okay, uh, I got to make a PowerPoint deck. Okay, let me throw some slides in here and just make it look like it's fine. No, I get to think critically about things and holistically. So what what is the end use of this PowerPoint? What is the community that this is going to go into? Who is going to be viewing this? How are the people that are going to be given this presentation going to resonate with what I'm telling them? What's their current stance on whatever project is happening? What is the objective that we're trying to get out of this? What, what, is, what are we trying to tell them? What are we trying to learn from them? Okay, now how can we put this in a way that not only does it inform the, uh, the, the end viewer on what it is that we want to tell them, but it gives them an opportunity to provide us feedback too. And, and just finding ways to holistically um, think things through and not just kind of mind-numbingly go through everyday punching numbers, but finding ways to really take a step back, even if it takes a little longer, but think about the bigger picture and what it is that you're trying to do and how it's going to resonate with, with people. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit here. I understand you're a basketball fan and uh, you like to watch, play, and play fantasy league. So tell me why, or explain to me why basketball fantasy leagues is well worth my time. Why is, because um, they're super fun. Um, I don't know if you are competitive at all, but I, I, I am quite competitive. So I love the idea of winning fantasy basketball leagues. Um, but basketball in general, it's just, uh, oh man, it's, it's something I've been, I I've loved basketball since I was a kid, probably because my siblings and my older brother is, uh, big on basketball. And then my friend group, we all loved basketball, but, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it, there's so much you can learn from it. Team to team game, uh, forces you to trust your teammates and a lot of the skills that you learn in that context you know you can pl- apply to life in many ways you know I work with diverse team members now and uh, I really need to trust them in order to get the job done and that's uh, basically what basketball comes down to so yeah I love watching it I love playing it um, and I love fantasy basketball sports too and I think it's important for people to remember that like you know that stuff helps you like when you've got a busy career it's great to still have something in your life that you can just do that's purely fun but provides that is but it, but you're you're right like you know I often look when I look at resumes I I flip to the back okay where did you where did you work as a when you were in high school what were your summer jobs what sort of extracurriculars did you participate in and so that stuff is still important in your life to make you you know to be the best you that you can be I think absolutely and it's it's subconscious you know you don't you don't think about the fact that oh me playing basketball is helping me in my life no it just happens and it's actually funny that you said that because on my resume the one that I used to get the job that I'm in I actually wrote under interest I wrote basketball so yeah it works it does work it does work okay so are you a Raptors fan of course yes definitely Raptors fan. okay all right so it's it's almost uh well we're about a month and a bit away before the beginning of the season What's your predictions and who's your favorite uh, Raptors player? My favorite Raptors player right now, uh, it's gotta be Scotty Barnes just because I mean, the sky is the limit with this kid. Uh, just such a versatile player. Um, so much, so much potential. Um, there's no telling what his ceiling is going to be. So he's my favorite at the moment. Um, what do I think? Well, I mean, a lot of that hinders on what our free agency 
looks like. Um, but we're still going to be a really good team. Uh, obviously, we're going to be in the playoffs. We're obviously uh, we're going to be right up there with uh, the Milwaukee, Boston, you know, that crew. So hopefully we can make it back to the promised land. It would be great if we could have another parade that was the parade to end all parades. Oh, absolutely. I was there in person and what a, what a time what that a was. Time it was. Oh, <laughs> I like to remember that. That kind of reminds me like what the world used to be before that. That parade was quite the parade. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's look ahead and sort of think about where you're going to be in five years. What do, you, what do you want to be doing in five years? What do you think your job will be? What do you think your life will look like in five years? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, after having this conversation, I, I really think that in five years' time, I'm probably going to be back in the music industry in some capacity. Um, I, whether that's, you know, working for a record label, um, in a sort of A&R role or um, as a client scout or, or whatever, uh, whatever kind of role uh, opens up, I can certainly see myself, you know, jumping at that opportunity. I could also see myself maybe, maybe taking it freelance style and, you know, just really sharpening my own skills um, in communications, graphic design, marketing, social, and branching out on my own. Uh, I've done it before uh, in, a, in a certain capacity uh, with my friends. Uh, I don't see any reason why I couldn't do that again. Um, yeah, but um, I mean, this kind of goes with everything I've already said in that trust the process. Uh, whatever is going to happen in five years time, it's going to be it's going to be what's what was meant to happen for me. And um, I'm just going to enjoy the ride there. Uh, continue to learn. Always be a student. Uh, try to be the best version of me uh, and a job or a career, you know, that'll all follow. Uh, I'm not really overly concerned about what's going to, what's going to come, but you know, I'll tell you this, uh, how about we have another conversation in five years time and I'll tell you exactly where I am. Okay. It's a date. It's a date. <laughs> so um, as we sort of wrap up the podcast, I'm going to ask a couple of, we usually ask a couple of closing questions. So the first one I always like to ask people is what's your favorite memory of McMaster? My favorite memory at McMaster you know, it would probably be my, it'd probably be the orientation symposium that, I don't know if this is common practice amongst all faculties, but for mine, humanities was faculty of humanities and my degree was communication and new media, but there was an orientation symposium where uh, the outgoing class that just graduated was giving their, whatever their final project was, they were presenting it to us, the new cohort. Um, and, you know, I just remember being like so timid and shy and not really like, like kind of nervous with like all these strangers and like learning about what they were doing and like, oh, wow, this looks pretty daunting. This is going to be quite a year. But then it's one of those full circle moments, because then at the end of my degree, which was uh, uh, it was a one year degree um, when I was done, me and my my cohort, my peers, we were the ones giving the presentation to this new coming class and like they were all just as nervous as I remember being and it's just like you can't really explain it but once you get through it like it's just it's just it's it's a full circle moment where you see where you started and then where you ended up going to and it's just uh, there's something about that that's just stuck with me uh, is there a, a podcast you'd recommend or a book you're reading right now that you'd recommend to people um yeah definitely uh so for podcasts, I, I usually like to listen to like personal finance, career, and uh, like leadership type podcasts, um, and some good ones that I 
I've listened to recently are Stress Test by The Globe and Mail. Um, there's one called Build Wealth Canada by Cornell Schreiber. Um, Building Your Dream Career by Three Skills. And then there's one called Generation No Limit by Akash Sidhu. These are all very good podcasts. I would highly recommend you check them out um, if you're interested in any of those three things that I mentioned. Um, and then as far as books go, I kind of, I like to alternate between um, like an influential or a critically renowned book and then, you know, a leisure book in my reading cycle. So the, the last book that I read was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Fantastic book. Uh, really explores the art of the possible. And now my leisure book that I'm reading is actually, it's called uh, 100 Things Raptors Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die by uh, Dave Mendokna. And it's it's also a great book uh, in a different capacity, but it's a fun, relaxing book. And um, the next one on the docket for me is Atomic Habits by James Clear. All right. That's a that's a pretty big library. Um, what is What is your idea of perfect happiness? Perfect happiness. Oh, that's a good question. Um, perfect happiness is, I guess the, oh man, that's, I could answer that question so many ways. Uh, perfect happiness is being healthy, uh, being with, surrounded by your friends and family, um, attaining a level of success that not what society might deem to be successful, but your own accomplishing whatever own goals you set out for yourself, uh, achieving those goals, setting the goals, achieving the goals, and then doing that all while, you know, maintaining your own health, both physical, mental, spiritual, and then also having a good support system around you, a friend's family that care for you. I think that, I think that's perfect happiness. Oh, that's a great answer. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. It's been so great to get to, to know you and hear about your story past McMaster and what interesting, um, you know, starting in music now in the uh, communications and a coordinator for a very interesting firm and, and, and interesting to hear what your next step will be. And if, if I do call you in five years, will you be, um, will you, will you actually be in the music industry? And I think maybe you might. So it's been, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. I appreciate that very much, Karen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here.